It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name's John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. Well, it's depending where you are, it's a rainy Saturday morning. It's uh, here at Marina Bay. It's been thunder and lightning, doing all kinds of nasty stuff. And uh, But it looks like it's calmed down a little bit, and that's what it looks like for the rest of the weekend. Uh, some odd weather coming up, so we'll... Uh, Hopefully you're someplace where you're dry and you can do a few things. Uh, remember, coming up uh, July 14th is the Bay State Antique Auto Club Auto Show, and that's always a, that's always a great show. It's the one I always pretend I'm going to go to and never go because I'm usually on vacation that week. And uh, but it is a really I have been a bunch of times and it is a really good show. It's right at the Endicott Estate in Dedham, and. Uh, it's uh, it's just it's just a good show, and if, if you have a car that it needs that you want to have judged, you have to be there by ten o'clock to be judged. Vendor registration is at six, auto registration is at seven, judging begins at ten thirty, and trophy presentation happens at two. Uh, there is only there is limited uh, on street parking, but there is an off street site right down the street, and you you can either go park and walk, or park and take a school bus. And uh, it's a it's a free shuttle. It's and it's inexpensive to go. They have breakfast, uh, lunch, hot dogs, hamburgers, sausages, pulled pork, chicken tenders. Wow, he could actually pretty good lunch. And uh, music provided by uh, cousin Bruce Palmer, who uh, I know. So one of these days I'm going to have him on the show. And his claim to fame is, last year he had a lift put in his house so he can work on his cars. Hey, with us on the phone is Larry Rubenstein. Larry was on a few weeks ago, and since the time you were on, Larry, your shop has become AAA approved, right? Yes, sir. And uh, that was something that uh, years back uh, you were considering it, uh, and uh, I think there was, uh, I don't know, some some restriction along the way. But, um, you know, when when a shop becomes AAA approved, you know, some people think it's... Um, it's like uh, we just wave a certificate in front of you, and it's and it's good. But we look we look for things like um, you know ASE certification, and we write to your customers and find out how uh, you know how you're doing. Uh, were you at all surprised about how thorough it was? Yes, uh, John. It um, years back when I had looked at it, there were a few um, re- requirements. Yeah that uh, AAA had that didn't really suit the way that I ran my shop. Not that they were bad or they were wrong. It just wasn't our cup of tea. Right. Um, And then things changed. Um, Certain specialized fields became a non-requirement at Mm -hmm. that time. Yep. And, you know, it's something I've been toying around. I've been a AAA member, oh, God, since my son got his driver's license many years ago. And it's something I wanted him to have, kind of a safety net. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something I suggest all parents, you know, give their kids back in the day when cell phones were for everybody, 
when my son got his driver's license, gave them a cell phone and said, every call home mm-hmm. is free. The other ones you pay for. Yeah. And here is the other thing. I'm going to give you a AAA card. So these are safety nets I think everybody should have. So I've been a AAA member now for many years, and as we looked at how AAA has progressed as time has gone on, and I'm sure that you know, John, but many people may not, that AAA is actually 117 years old now. They started off in 1902. Yeah, almost and, as old as me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you remember, and I remember when they first opened it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, no, we we've, we've been we've been around a long time, and and uh, I just wanted to get you on and kind of congratulate you for uh, for hanging the AAA sign out in front of the building. And um, the other the other thing is, um, you know, today's today's cars are getting more and more sophisticated, harder to repair. But last week we had uh, old buddy Junior D'Amato on, and he you know he was saying one of the things he's still seeing in his shop. Every single day is people coming in and they're not doing the basics. Cars coming in with no oil in them. Cars coming in with antifreeze has been in the car for 10 years. So you still, you know, up on the North Shore, are you still seeing lack of maintenance with a lot of people? Well, of course, we, we still are. And I blame a lot of this on the manufacturer and on the advertisements. I mean, as you know, they call it permanent antifreeze. Well, that the client, well, I don't have to do anything. You know, and a lot of people buy the cars thinking, okay, I'm buying it, that's it, and I'll just put, put in gas and drive. And the salesman and the manufacturer give them that good feeling. And unfortunately, you know, that's not true. When you pull a valve cover off of a car and you see there's 20 tons of coke and gunk in there, you know the car hasn't been taken care of. And, you know, unfortunately, John, it's becoming a throwaway world. Um, and more engines are being replaced versus being being fixed. It's costing the consumer a lot of money. And uh, being aff- affiliated with a uh, with an organization like AAA, it's a great opportunity to get the word out there about maintenance. You know, I always joked years back. Uh, I, I used to tell people the best place to keep the owner's manual. Is in the bathroom because that's probably the only place you're going to be sitting down and reading it. Because nobody wants to read it. But when you find out what it takes to keep your car going, you know there's no reason in today's world why you can't get three hundred thousand miles out of your car. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's funny. It's funny. I I I always say the best best looking part of a car in a junkyard is the owner's manual. <laughs> you are so right. You know they don't even take them out of that cute little vinyl binder that they indeed come in. You know, but improvements that we've seen today is there's a lot on YouTube. Uh, virtually almost everybody has a has a computer, maybe 95%. And, you know, if you have a 2005 Chevy Impala and you Google 2005 Chevy Impala problems, there's so much on there. And there's you know, there is no reason why cars have to be dis- disposed of so early. And um, cars are getting better. Yeah. They truly are. Last week we had the opportunity to work on, John, we were working on a 1979 Firebird Trans Am. Ah. Gorgeous car came out of the Meekum auction. Yeah. And uh, 
really horrible story. The gentleman uh, said that the driver's seatbelt won't re- retract. So my job was to tear it down and see what's going on. And what I found is that the former owner had put a wad of painter's tape inside of the retractor so that it wouldn't catch in case it pulled forward. That little lever couldn't go up, really putting the driver in harm's way of false of security. We did find a full set of seatbelts, though. A good website I had never known for anybody that has older cars, older GM muscle cars. It's called Year One. Yeah, no, know they, you, yeah, they've 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 been around, and they have you know for certain cars they have they have almost unlimited parts supply. Both, uh, you know, they they manage to come up with reproductions and original equipment. Yeah, they're an interesting company. It, w- it was really fantastic. What what we got was exactly what uh, that car, the Chevy Camaro, had. Uh, it was really great. But getting back to AAA, John. Uh, to hitch my wagon to a a, uh, a group uh, that has done so much good for so many people in the most rotten emergency situations, be it out of gas, uh, a car lockout, a flat tire, a breakdown. I mean, they're like the guardian angels of the highway, yeah. man. Yeah, we, 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 we try. We certainly try, that's for sure. You know, you're talking about a throwaway society. I was talking to a guy from... Uh, from New Jersey this week, and he had a 2012 BMW 330 convertible, and it had an engine knock in it, and he took it to the dealer, and the dealer charged him $300 to diagnose it, and they said it it sounded like a lower engine knock, so a bearing of some sort. They pulled the plugs out of it, and they said the number four cylinder looked like there was an excessive amount of oil, and they said, well, it needs an engine. And the guy owes 16000 on it, and the dealer told him that, well, we can fix it. It's going to be about 22000 to fix it. And I said to him, you know, I don't know what your plans are with the car, but first off, um, you, do you have any oil consumption problems? He's like, no, I don't have any oil. So I said, you know, the oil on top of the piston has me... Is it oil or is it carbon buildup? And I said, maybe what they're seeing is really carbon on top of the piston, and that's your noise. But he had somebody call me back a few days later. He had somebody else. You know, they really decided it it sounded like it was the number four rod maybe making some noise. And he said he checked everywhere. Nobody's willing to pull the engine apart and pull pull that... pull that piston out to see what's really going on. Everybody just wants to put a new or a used engine in it. That is very much it. You know, I went to a a, uh, a class. We try to attend several classes a year. Mm-hmm. And the speaker, um, teacher, if you will, uh, told a story about how nowadays the manufacturer does not want to pay the technicians to diagnose the problems. They said, well, try putting in a fuel injector, try doing this, try doing that, rather than diagnose problems. And that's scary, John. Yep. That's really, really bad, the way that this is going today. And this follows right in line with what you're saying. It's a throwaway so- yeah. society. Yep. So they're throwing fuel injectors at it. They're throwing coils at it and things like that. You know, and it turned out it was just a bad ECT, electronic yeah. coolant temperature. You know, and they're throwing all these parts at it. And a good tech who gets in there with a scanner 
could have seen that it was stuck at minus 40. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting really, really silly out there. So a good tech or somebody that is thinking about getting into the trade, if you're willing to do your homework, you can write your own check. I mean, it's just really getting wide open. Yeah, it it really is, and and you know when I talked to you this week, you said you were you said you were busy. You know the shop was busy. It's summertime. Uh, yeah. It's it's the time of year where people want to go on their summer vacations and travel around and see what's going on. And uh, it is uh, it's it's really that that time of year that uh, shops are going to get busy. And I don't care what shop I go into; just about everybody's looking for a good technician and even if they're not even if they're not quite ready to hire them yet it's almost like they'll take them because they're they they're like you know i know we're going to get busier we might lose somebody somewhere along the line uh either way you know it's it's we need to we need to really think about you know making sure we have the right people and uh and uh you know you have you have you have the right people because you you made your own right yeah, every single one of the texts that I took in were ones that had a basic knowledge. Yep. And then, well, I'll call it like clay. Then we kind of formed them, schooled them, trained them, and they're doing things in a in a way that I want to have things done. I want the cars to go out right. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to keep coming back to have the same device or repair on the car fixed twice. Now the problem is that there's many symptoms that look like the same thing. I I mean, listen, John, I'm sure that you've seen it too. Somebody could have a code 303 and it's a bad coil on uh, cylinder three. Uh, It turns on a check engine light. That's what the customer Mm -hmm. knows. He goes out a month later and his uh, auction sensor, bank one sensor two, turns on a check engine light. So we're faced with that. The customer says, you just fixed my car. The check engine light's back back on. So, I mean, people have to realize that. And that's why at my shop we have many mock-ups, many displays. Mm -hmm. For the customer to see, these are the things that can cause your car to have problems. And, um, John, it's a a learning process both for, for the consumer and for us as techs. Yeah, no, uh, it, it it really is, and uh, um, you know, there's a the guy who he used to own a shop out in the Midwest, and he writes for a, a bunch of magazines. Scott Gonzo Weaver, he's been on the show a bunch of times, and he wrote a book called yeah. called. And I'm sure uh, you may have joked about this before uh, that you know when somebody comes in with a problem, sometimes you're like, yeah, you know, the real problem is the loose nut behind the wheel. And that was the, and that was and that was the name of his book. But yeah, sometimes it, it really is education between you and the customer, explaining to them, okay, here's what we see, here's what we think it is based on what we see, and what's you know what we see is wrong. Is it going to fix your problem? We don't know yet, but we know that's broken. So we have to start with the most obvious thing. And and sometimes all it takes is a good explanation, right? John, you are almost quoting me word for word. Uh, when you get a customer that comes in with a problem, that's right. And say, listen, before I can go any further, we have to fix this. I can't go at all one step further till this is fixed. Then we can look at the rest of it. Yeah. No, it it, it really is. Uh, let's uh, let's tell everybody where your shop is. 
Oh, thanks, John. Yes, sir. We're located at uh, 218 Newbury Street in Peabody, Massachusetts. That's right on Route 1 South, uh, just after the Lowell Street exit. Um, if you happen to be uh, broken down in that area, the uh, AAA uh, tow truck will probably be more than happy to bring it to us, and we'll try to get you out of there for the least amount of money spent possible that's always a goal it's not about money it's about making new friends well, there you go hey larry thanks for taking some time out of your saturday morning i know you uh i i you know i hope uh you you were heading you were heading to the dentist i think you said this morning <laughs> yes. so so uh hopefully your dentist is a good diagnostician too hey john what what does the horn say on the dentist car when he presses the button tooth tooth Tooth, tooth. All right, John. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. All right. Take care, Larry. Bye-bye. Yeah, uh, well, they can't all be. Uh, where's the expression come from? All of a sudden, now they're all dad jokes. Because dads make the, the, the stupidest jokes. The stupidest jokes. Yeah. They're, they're, the cr they, most cringeworthy jokes. They used, to, they used to be, those used to be on Dixie Cups. Yes, they were. Yeah. Dixie Dad'll... Cups or... Um, those cups sometimes you'd get out of the old school bowling soda. Oh fountains. yeah, yep. No, down down towards uh, Whitman, there's an insurance company, and they have you know one side of the sign is the joke and the other side is the punchline, and they're all like that. And and every once in a while I drive by it, I have to look in the rearview mirror and go, uh, and then I look at it. I go, I still look at it. I don't know what it is. Why don't we take a quick break to uh, pay some bills? I want to thank Larry for joining us this morning. Uh, when we come back, we're going to play a little bit of trivia, and uh, a little bit, it kind of focused a little bit maybe on what Larry was talking about about the car he was working on. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. My phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Write it down. You might need it. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Remember, you can find old Car Doctor programs on, is it called iTunes anymore? What are they calling it now? I, I missed the whole release of that. I haven't even, I've been going through so much I can't even think of yeah. what it's called right now. Yeah, it's something. I don't, like they did away, they said, oh, we're doing away with iTunes, but we're not really doing away with iTunes. But now all of a sudden where it said iTunes on my phone, it says Apple TV or something. Something new appeared one night when I woke up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's something. But wherever iTunes used to be. Also, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio now. You can find us there. Although iHeartRadio runs commercials during my show. <laughs> and uh, you can also go to YouTube. You can find my YouTube channel somehow. And you can look at, well, nothing actually. But it's, uh, But you can listen. You can listen on YouTube. So you can do that because the uh, Podbean, if you want to go direct, if you want to go to johnfpaul.podbean.com, allows me to post on YouTube. And uh, I don't know why, but I go ahead and do it anyway. So so there's a YouTube channel. So on the Podbean, how long, how long do the archives last? 
forever. Really? There's not like a time frame? and No, not according to... I pay a little bit of money to be on Podbean. You what? Say yeah, that again? Yeah, I know. I pay a little bit of money to be on Podbean. Wow. Prior to that, prior to that, I paid a little bit more money to be on Podomatic, but Podomatic would only give me X amount of storage space, which amounted to about forty shows. So every time I'd add a new show, and once I maxed out two gigs of storage, it would say you're at the end of your you're at the end of your storage. Buy more space. I mean, I don't want to buy. So I had to eliminate shows. Podbean has unlimited storage. Then there's also something called podcasts. So just P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. Boy, people are thrilled with this conversation. I know. Aren't and, they? and that also gives you unlimited storage, and it's free. But? I don't know. No, I'm okay. still waiting for the but. <laughs> it's free. And it gives you some analytics. It doesn't give you the custom, like, if you want to call, you know, where it's johnfpaul.podbean.com. Um, and I suppose I could have done cardoctor.podbean, but I switched over from the other one. Um, they don't let you do that. It's, uh, podcast dot some John F. Paul 12 or something. So, um, so you can't customize your own little website sort of thing. Um, pod, pod Omatic had a better page. It looked more like a professional page. Uh, Podbean isn't as fancy. If you want fancier, you have to pay more, but unlimited storage. So, and unlimited bandwidth. Not that I ever had anybody streaming 5,000 shows at one time, but still, if there's something you heard or you were interested in, you can find it. Maybe you were interested in car shopping. And when we had the person on that owned the car dealership out in the Midwest, couple weeks ago and she had her tips and you're like i'd like to see her book that book buying cars her way i want to find out where to get it and you could go back and find the old show and you could find it and on the site i try to put pictures of who was on at one time so you know that's kind of how it all works well i think it's early time for early trivia okay okay all right i know i know and, uh, we, you know, we were talking about AAA so much, and I got this fancy brochure that says, Why Join the AAA-Approved Auto Repair Program? And that kind of reminded me of Larry, and everything went together. Just to give you some ideas, you know, we, we talked quickly about uh, the approved auto repair requirements. The facility must have at least one ASE or OEM certified technician for each area of service offered. Maintain a formal training system to stay up to date on new automotive systems. Train personnel to advise customers regarding repairs and services. Comply with all local, state, and federal requirements. Uh, customer satisfaction. We write to their customers literally write to their customers and we have to see at least a 95% or higher satisfaction score and they have to maintain that score either electronically or through surveys because we do it electronically um, they have to offer at least and this is what Larry was talking about earlier they have to offer at least engine performance minor engine repair brakes electrical system uh, repair tires steering and suspension they have to offer that as a minimum originally when we had the program if you wanted to be part of the program, you needed to have an alignment machine. And now we allow sublet of that. So you can still offer steering and suspension work. And you have to say, well, we use the guy next door has an alignment machine. So we send it over there and they do the work for us. And that's okay now. 
back when I did the program, that wasn't okay. Additionally, uh, heating and air conditioning, major engine repair, automatic transmission, manual transmission, and engine performance for diesel. Uh, facilities must have an acceptable community reputation and social media presence. So we actually check, we do a dive into their kind of community, you know, how, how is their Yelp and their Facebook and all that stuff and make sure that they're all okay. And then uh, we do an attorney general's report. So we want to make sure they're good with the attorney general's office. And we want to also make sure they have a minimum amount of general and garage liability, garage keepers, legal liability, including bodily injury, property damage, workers comp. So we want to make sure they're properly insured for themselves, for their workers and themselves. But also if something should happen to your car while it's in their custody or after a repair, they have the insurance to cover getting it fixed. So, you know, that's, you know, that's what, you know, what they have to do. And then we do stuff for them. So uh, when you uh, get an online triptych, for instance, approved auto repair shops are listed in the triptych. So if you want to find something somewhere. So. They still do triptychs? We still do triptychs. We still do it. We, do you still send them out in that nice little format where you it's, could? It's a little bit bigger. It's more twice the size of that now because they're actually printed on a printer so they sort of fold in half of eight and a half by 11 so but the old strip maps um we do i would say in our whole club footprint the same amount of triptychs that we did in one busy office 25 years ago because everybody got GPSs now, and whether it's in their phone or a standalone GPS, even standalone GPS is not that popular anymore because people are using their phones. Um, I have two GPSs, an old one that I keep with me just in case, and a newer one that I believe is in Florida. So it doesn't do me any good at all. And then I have the one in my phone, which works pretty well. So. Yeah, my friend just said that they just got trip ticks for their trip to North Carolina. Really? Well, thank you. Uh, but that, but that is, um, you know, that's one of the things that we still we still hear from people, and they still want trip ticks, and they still want tour books, and so we, uh, you know, we still do, we still do that. Well, Larry talked about a Pontiac Trans Am that came into a shop. And there was a very famous Pontiac Trans Am, the kit car, so Night Rider. It was pretty famous, right? I still say it's a Firebird, not a real Trans Am. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it, you know, some would argue that Smokey and the Bandit kit, who's more famous? But in 2008-ish, I guess, there was a recreation of Knight Rider, and it was uh, the Knight Industries 3000. So Kit was Knight Industries 2000. So because um, the world is not that creative, they said, "What can we call the new- What can we call the new car?" So, what kind of car was the new Knight Rider 3000? I know this, and I don't even have to cheat. 
Really? Do you know exactly what it is? Exactly? No. No. Okay. So, well, God, and you have to cheat. And 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 you're you're sort of a fantasy sci-fi sort of. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, kinda. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um. You 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 may maybe watch a little. I don't know. Would you call Would you call Night Rider science fiction? Yes. Yeah. Cause yes, absolutely. Because it's fiction and it's got some science. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's not like Die Hard, like eight, um, like Star Wars and things like that. But yeah, it's definitely science fiction. It's science fiction. Well, it's not science fact, I suppose. Correct. So that that could be. But and it's although I will say in some science fiction though. There's a lot of reality that, or future reality sometimes, mm-hmm. that, you know, that science fiction from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s turned into reality at some, you know. Look at the some, original Star Trek series. That's all I got to say. They have the, they were the inspiration for our cardiac monitors now. They were the inspiration for cell phones. So, yeah, you're right. I still can't, I still and can't make, I still can't make anything in my replicator though no why not uh well that's not entirely true okay 3d printing 3d printing yeah but it's not the same i can't Um, i can't make i I went to a i can't make an icy cold beer uh, in there i went to a hotel i was staying at a hotel a couple years ago in hilton head island and they had a thing where you pushed a button and it would make pancakes Mm, okay all right it was amazing (laughs) Perfectly made pancakes, but oh, if you but if, but if you went over to it and said waffles, you would probably get a pancake. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even when I stayed in the the uh, when I went to the New York Auto Show this year, I stayed in the Yotel, which there is one in Boston now, a Yotel. Yeah. What is that? It's just it's it's a tiny tiny hotel, and. Um, it well, it's not a tiny hotel. It's a pretty big hotel, but the but the rooms are ship cabin like, so they're small, they're small rooms, and they're uh, so have you have you've been on a cruise, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Envision a tiny cabin on a cruise ship, and that's sort of what the rooms are like. No, I don't want to go stay there though. Yeah. So I stayed in a queen-size room, which meant it had a queen-size bed. But during the day, the bed folded up to, to make a couch. And at night, you unfolded it because okay. that's the only way it would fit in the room. Is it comfortable? It was actually pretty comfortable. And I will say, because I was going to the Javits Center. The, the U- J- Jacob Javits. In, oh, okay. Yeah, in New York. Um, it was about a five or ten minute walk so it was actually really convenient and it was when everybody when like the Times square hotels were five and six hundred dollars a night the yotel was three ish 300 which was still stupid expensive but the room was not as big as this studio but it had well, a, this is a big studio but yeah but it, had, it. <laughs> but it had a decent-sized TV. It had a chair, just one. 
It had the bed that folded sort of into a couch. And it wasn't, I mean, it was, you know, one of those adjustable platforms, but it literally slid up and kind of L-shaped. So during the day when they made the bed, it was kind of a place to sit when you came back to the room. Um, when you slid the bed out, there wasn't a lot of room to walk around. And then there was a little tiny bathroom and a little and a decent-sized shower, but the shower room was sort of separate from the bathroom part and the door was like a barn door and it either covered the shower or covered the other stuff so you can do both at the same time no like there's two of you in there yeah yeah so so it was sort of it was a little unique in that way but on the other hand it was clean um you went when you went in you went into the ground floor and um, when you went into the ground floor, what would happen was there was no people. So you went over to a kiosk. This is what reminded me of it. And you went over to the kiosk and you went, John Paul. And it would say, swipe your credit card. And a, then it would say, how many keys do you want? One. And the thing would make a little noise. And all of a sudden a key would pop out okay. with your paperwork. To tell you what room you were in. Then you took the elevator up to like the third floor. And there was actually people. Like one or two people. Um, I don't know what they did though. Because you already had a key at that point. And then if you were leaving for the day. Or leaving. But you wanted to leave your luggage there. There was a machine. Where you walked over and you put your little rolly bag. Or whatever you had. And an arm would come over pick it up put it in a locker behind a glass wall and a little thing would pop out or and then when you came back five hours later you went in and you scanned your little thing and the machine would go over go to a little door pop out and deliver your piece of luggage back to you Did it cost you any extra five bucks huh? but it didn't cost me any extra because I had a car in the parking garage oh, okay so I said to the parking guy can I just go throw my luggage in the car he's like yeah sure so um which actually, again, was pretty convenient. It worked out good. Let's talk to uh, George. George, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Do you have the answer to the question yet? I do not have the answer to the question yet. Okay. It's, it was the um, Shelby Mustang GT500. It was the Shelby Mustang GT500. Here's the problem, though, George. You live mm -hmm. in a you live in a part of Connecticut that my I was going to give a AAA membership away, but you live in a part of Connecticut I can't give you a AAA membership because you're the other part of AAA over there. So I'm going to have to well, come you up, can give it. Okay. So I'm going to come up with a different prize for you. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. I appreciate that. All right. Stay right there. Don't go away. And and Dennis will take down your address and we'll get that out to you. Okay, I really appreciate it. All right. Have a nice weekend. All right, you too, George. Thank you. Yep. That was George from West Hartford, Connecticut. So, because it says Hartford right on that uh, on our on our electronic uh, call receiver uh, screen, it says West Hartford. So that's how I know, and uh, so that's how we know. Anyway, so uh, so uh, so maybe since we didn't give the AAA membership away. Maybe in a little bit we'll do we'll do another we'll do another uh, trivia question. 
Dennis loves trivia. It's a, although I read something the other day in some radio website and it says you shouldn't do trivia anymore. Why? You shouldn't call it trivia. You should call it something else because that means it's trivial. I don't know. Ford preps its most powerful street car ever. Speaking of Ford Shelby Mustang, the muscle car arms uh, uh, race is getting tighter at the top. Ford Motor Company's upcoming Mustang Shelby GT500, which was what the Knight Rider 3000 was, um, is now the company's most powerful street legal vehicle ever built. It will boast 760 horsepower and 625 foot-pounds of torque. Um, when it shows up in showrooms this fall, that's enough to blow past the 29 Chevrolet Camaro with its 630 horsepower. And although the Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye remains at the top with 797 horsepower, the GT500 will come with a single powertrain, a hand-built supercharged 5.2-liter V8 engine with a 7-speed automatic gearbox. Ford says it will achieve 0 to 60 times in the mid-3-second range. Uh, Melvin Battencourt, the vehicle's design manager, said everything from the A-pillar forward is new, including Ford's biggest ever hood scoop. So um, I don't know if bragging about a big hood scoop is a big deal. But uh, this morning as we were coming to the radio station, I rode through the parking lot a little bit, and it kind of made me laugh when we had the guy on from Cars.com a couple weeks ago. He was talking about the ultimate dad car, which was a Mercedes-Benz AMG um E-Class wagon, 0 to 60 in like three and a half seconds. And over in the parking lot here, there was one. So <laughs> just kind of made Did sense. I read something earlier this week that Camaro may be going off the market again? Yeah, in a couple of years. They're saying like 2022, which I don't know what I, I don't know what that really means. I, I think they sell enough of them. They're iconic enough. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes away a little for a little while. Well, the new Corvette is coming out supposedly in the fall. So I bet they give a lot of attention to Corvette. They don't change the Camaro for a couple of years. They do away with the Camaro for a year or two, and then it comes back just like it did a bunch of years ago. So that's what I think. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Our phone lines are open, by the way, if you'd like to join us and talk about your car, your car problems, maybe your first car. What was your first car like? Mine was not great. Let's talk to Rick in Boston. Rick, good morning. Hey there. Hi there. Well, I think the ultimate day car is one that uh, your kids can't drive. Well, somebody said to me the ultimate dad car should only have one seat. Well, yeah, that's a motorcycle that qualifies for that. So, well, um, it, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of funny. You just mentioned that and it reminded me a young guy that I work with just had a just had a son. I don't know, six or eight months ago, or a year ago, or something, and he was kind of looking for something Kids different. Probably like ten. Probably 10 years ago, yeah. He's not that old, so he couldn't have been that long ago. But he just bought a motorcycle, which one of my coworkers is like, but he's a dad. Why should he be buying? But he uh, but he bought an old um, Kawasaki, and he wants to turn it into sort of a cafe racer. So because he's all Photoshop-y, he took a picture of yeah. it and then Photoshopped what he wants it to look like. And uh, he was asking me my opinion about his design. He actually has a good eye, so... But anyway, and that way he figures he can he can go out and ride by himself and 
leave his wife and his yep. son home. So, anyway, what's well, up, Rick? Here's my, here's my question for you. And that, um, I, yesterday when I was coming home, I was coming up on the uh, intersection, the light where uh, I turn, make a left-hand turn to um, go down the road I live on, and about 350 feet before I got to the light, I put my turn signal on, saying turn in left hand, mm-hmm. making a left-hand turn. Mm-hmm. I'm on my motorcycle, mm-hmm. and I went a few feet for, farther forward to stop because there was a red light, and I had to wait. Mm-hmm. Well, the car's light turned green. I moved forward, got to the road, and stopped. And the the car behind me had to slam on their brakes because they weren't paying attention. And I told that to somebody, and they said, well, you you put your turn signals on way too early. And I'm saying, like, 350 feet is not too early. Uh, What's your opinion, and what does AAA say for safety reasons? Am I right or wrong? You're you're right-ish. Um, 350 might be a little early, but not too much early. And, and you use your turn signals when you need to use them. So for instance, if, as an example, if there was a intersection up 300 feet and a gas station up 150 feet, you might confuse somebody because if you put your turn signal on that early, they might think you're pulling into the gas station, not going up to the intersection, but where you are warning someone ahead of time. And I think... If you looked in a driver's manual, I believe they actually say put on your turn signal about 150 or 200 feet ahead. So you might have been a little early, but not a lot early. Early warning's better than no warning, which is what happens most of the time. Yeah, well, uh, and that, uh, it, yeah. when that car slammed down the brakes because I'm on my motorcycle, I'm going, you know, it's like, like, uh, yeah, but, but, you, but you had your turn signal on, so either way, even if yeah. so, even if you said you put it on too early um, and the person slammed their brakes on, they weren't paying attention, and that's all what it comes down to. I'm just going to play devil advocate. Yeah, I know, okay. I, know, I, oh. I know that part, but, uh, yeah, well. Well, Dennis, um, Dennis is going to play the devil here. So. The devil's advocate here. So I've been behind many a motorcycle list, mm-hmm. and I'm very cautious behind them because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who ride bikes. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, though, bikers forget to turn off their signal. Well, that is that is true. So you could be riding behind a bike, a motorcycle for two, three miles, and all of a sudden yeah. they turn. Yeah. But it, it, does your does your uh, fancy Indian self cancel? Do the turn signals shut off? No, no but, you have um, motorcyclists do have a hand signal for other motorcyclists, and that's where you hold your hand up and you open and shut it, and that means you. That's supposed to tell you that you get your your turn signals are on. Oh, I, 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 I guess I knew that because I was in a, uh, I was in a. Uh, uh, this was years and years ago. I was in a Honda 2000, little sporty Honda car and a little convertible and a guy in a motorcycle pulled up next to me and he did that and yeah. i'm like and and i wasn't quite sure but it, it was funny the way i thought of thought of it afterwards is um if you think of an old-fashioned uh turn signal flasher which is the thing that plugs yeah. into the fuse box and it's a, a set of contacts that opens and closes i was i was kind of going oh yeah he's making like the little contact Click open, click close, click open, but it really meant I left my turn signal on. But that's it. That's interesting. Do you do you do the uh, down low wave too, or is that just the Holly Riders? 
Well, um, I actually where I I grew up, you know, um, it was you know you 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 lifted it up, you know, up oh. in New York, you know, when you you waved to other bikers, you know, you lifted your hand up high, and oh. it, and I still do that. Oh, okay. And that. All right. And that, you know, it, it all depends on the area, country you're from, and that special special code. <laughs> and that, but. Um, you no, know, I think I, I think you know. Back to your original question. In all seriousness, I think that um, using your turn signal, using your turn signal appropriately, is so important today because people do, people are distracted. They're not paying attention, and the more you can warn people, whether it's you know, you know, hitting hitting the brakes easy a couple times to flash your brake light so they know what's going on. All those things are important. So. Well, actually, I'll tell you, I don't know whether it's legal or whether it's good or not, but it's something that I do. When I go into a traffic circle, I put my left turn signal on so I got the yellow lights on my left-hand side of my bike flashing. And then once I get in it, I turn it off and get ready to turn for a right-hand signal yep. that I'm getting ready to Well, that, to people, people would be a lot less confused in in uh, rotaries and roundabouts if they just use their turn signal so you know where people are going. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're actually supposed to, as you're entering the rotary, put your right turn signal on. If you're moving over to the tighter part of the rotary, you put your left turn signal on to move to the tighter part. If you're moving off to the right because you're, you're moving back off one of the legs of the rotary, you're supposed to use your turn signal. That's what they're for. But people forget. Yeah, no, I do use the turn signal as getting off in that, but um, I actually put my left on just to try to make myself a little more visible for the people that are in the rotary when I go in there. Yep, you know, I that, agree that, with that, you. That, that's, that's on my motorcycle. On my car, forget it. Uh, do, do it in your car, too. It's okay. Hey, Rick, always great talking to you. Okay, have, have a good one, John. Bye. You, you too. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Brian. Brian. Hey, how are you, John? Good, how are you? Doing excellent. So, here's my question. I've seen conflicting reports online for this, but my 16-year-old has a learning permit math. Mm -hmm. Can she drive out of state? There are reciprocal agreements uh, with most of the states. So, if you were driving from here to... And there, if you if you there there is a way to look, and I'm not sure. It, and it may I should know this. It may be in drivinglaws.aaa.com. But I remember looking. Somebody asked me once, "I want to take my grandson from here to Florida. Can I? Can who has his learner's permit? Can he drive uh, from here to Florida with the learner's permit as long as I'm in the front seat?" And New York City, no. New York State. Yes, but not the city. They have their own rules. Um, Washington, D.C., no. Virginia, yes. One of the Carolinas was a yes. I don't remember which one. So it really it really depends from, from state to state because in some states, you like New York City, for instance, you can't get a learner's permit until you're 18. So, yeah, they restrict when you can get your license in the city for whatever reason. Uh, so there are certain rules that will apply, but... In neighboring in neighboring community in neighboring states, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut, not a problem. Okay, 
Yeah, we're we're heading to North Carolina for the summer, and that my thought was she could drive down there. But I will uh, I will check the website. Yeah, yeah, I I I think I think we have it listed. I there's a lot of stuff in it's uh, drivinglaws.aaa.com. So look around in that. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Want to take a break? Is that what you want to do? And when we come back, you're, you're getting a new car. I want to talk about that experience. Because okay. a month ago, it wasn't going so good. No. And why? Is it, let's see why it got better. Maybe you learned something. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Our phone number is 617-770-3030 if you would like to join us on this uh, rainy, cloudy, weird Saturday. We'll be right back. I think I'm right, and I can stand beside the idea to stand and fight. I do believe there's a dream for everyone. This is our And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Um, I think I mentioned this last week. I did get my driver's license renewed at the AAA office, and uh, it was a, it was a, it was a good experience. But I did get real ID, so I'm official, which is not foolproof, as we found out this week. That's right. That's right. But uh, I did have real ID. So, but it did. Uh, uh, and the woman behind the counter said, "I asked. Her, I've asked her a couple times. What forms do I need?" And she, you know, takes out her thing and she, two of these, three of these, and I re- reread it all and got the right ones. Yep, and, I have real ID. Yeah, and I renewed my driver's license literally eleven months early because next year for year twenty twenty, that's the year you're going to be well sort of require it if you're traveling domestically and you don't want to carry a passport, you're going to need the little real ID star thing. And um, rather than wait until next year when my license expired, I decided I'll do it now. Well, it's not quite as busy, and it doesn't ex- it doesn't affect the expiration date. In 2020, when my license expired, it would expire again in 2025. I did it now. It still expires in 2025. So I went in there. Yes? How does that work for minors? Do they need a passport or like when like a 16, 17 year old gets their license, like can they get, how do they get, if they need to get the real ID or do they need to? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Um, because you don't need a passport. But well, if you're going to fly from state yeah, to state. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for instance, if um, a, a real minor, a 10 year old. Yeah, they don't. They um, yeah. don't require a picture ID. Yeah. But like, yeah. And, so I don't. I, I don't know. You might need a passport. Um, 
My coworker's son is going to Paris because that's what 16-year-olds do now, apparently, is they go to Paris. Sure. Um, and uh, and I guess they've had a passport for years. So, And I when I'm sitting at the AAA office occasionally, the passport camera is the busiest thing in the office. There are more people getting passport pictures done. So, But you, um, you had, or still have, because it's out in the parking lot, a Nissan Rogue. Star Wars Rogue One Edition. I was going to let you do that part that I'm, which some people will say is a little geeky. Just I, so don't, it, yeah. I don't care if it's geeky. I just, I, it was a marketing thing and I hit my wheelhouse. And yeah. Went. Yep. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a great car up until about eight months ago. Yes. And then it became a less than great car. Yes. Um, some rattles and squeaks and yep, age-related things. Age-related, but I, I, I had to get a sunroof replaced, like the entire sunroof replaced, and I don't see why that would be age-related. But um, well, then, I have I have a coworker who has a BMW 540. He leases it. When he got it, it had a sunroof rattle. He took it to the dealer. They said, "Oh, I don't, we don't hear anything." He goes, "It's rattles." So he took it back to the dealer, and they're like, oh, we don't hear anything. So he called BMW. They said, well, take it to a different dealer. Took it to a different dealer. They sort of fixed it. Still rattles. And now I don't know where it is with the car because I wrote to BMW and said, the guy's got a legitimate complaint. It's got a rattle. And the fix was supposed to be take out the headliner, take out the sunroof, put epoxy or or something into all the nuts and bolts that hold the sunroof cartridge in place then reinstall it all and it shouldn't rattle afterwards i think they did part of it but i don't think they did all of it because it went from loud and constant to intermittent and relatively quiet so your bm your your nissan is suffers the same fate as a bmw i guess so our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Lexus GX uh, 460 gears up for safety on and off the road. The fresh in 2020 Le- Lexus GX 460 SUV uh, sport uh, sports new looks up front, a new view underneath, and enhanced safety systems, the mid-cycle makeover for the Japanese brand's most rugged three-row SUV because what is it? It's really a, it's really a, it's not really a, car SUV. It's more of a truck SUV. So think forerunner version of a truck. And, um, but they're, they're adding some things uh, besides design. Lexus added the optional off-road package to the 2020 mo- model available on the GX uh, top-end luxury grade trim. The package adds a transmission cooler, fuel tank protector, crawl control, and monitoring system that can display camera views on all the vehicle surroundings, including terrain and tire location underneath the vehicle. I just wonder how many people drive off-road with a, I don't know, $60,000... Lexus, but maybe they do. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030. So, Dennis, you were, before we get to the calls, you were, you had your Rogue Edition. Yes. And uh, it was uh, starting to get a little bit of problems. So you said rather than put up with the problems for the rest of the lease and you lease, you decided 
they offered you a deal to come back in. Now, you were looking back a while ago, and you had a pretty poor experience. Well, yeah, that was at a completely different dealership yep. with a completely different manufacturer. It was for um, a Jeep. There was an advertiser for a Jeep Cherokee where if you put um, X amount of dollars down, it was X, it was Y amount of payments. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted to put zero down, it was A amount of payments. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to call. I Actually, I didn't call. I was I did a text messaging because I wanted it to be in writing because mm-hmm. that's the way you can do it now. And I said, okay, um, is this really true zero down? And they were like, well, no, you have to qualify for this promotion and that promotion, and you'd still have to put down $3,000 even if you qualified for this promotion. I'm like, but you said zero down. Mm. Well, no one can really do zero down because of taxes and registration. I'm like, I understand that I'd have to pay for the sales tax and registration. I don't but when you say zero down, that means that you don't have to put down a down payment. Oh, no, you still have to put about $3,000 down on a down payment to get the really inexpensive mm. rate. And I was like, that's just that's, not right. Yeah, yeah. So this time I got a mailing in saying, hey, we have we have these um, for the Nissans. We have um, a couple different offers similar. Mm-hmm. You can get zero down, $95, or three. Or three thousand down and get it for ninety five dollars, or zero down and pay one ninety five, mm-hmm. and, and it said it was the real base model. So I went in. I'm like, I know it's the base model. I'm not going to mm. get the. I'm not going to get the base yeah. model because I do like a little bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. I mean, my cars. I don't drive it much, but I like to have mm-hmm. things. So I went in thinking, okay, if they give it to me for like a hundred dollars, maybe one hundred fifty dollars more than what those what they're saying on this advertisement, then yeah, it's a no deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a no brainer, yeah. not no deal. Yeah. It wasn't quite that inexpensive, but mm. bottom line is is that they I put down fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. um, and I lowered my payments on my new Rogue that I'm picking up today, I believe. Um, at um, I lowered it by about forty some odd dollars a month. Perfect. So I still had eight payments remaining. Yep. So you take out you add all those payments together, subtract fifteen hundred. And I'm saving hmm. a couple thousand dollars over the next yeah. few months. And one of the, your concerns was you have a little bit of body damage. Yes. And they, they, didn't, didn't, even look. they didn't even care. They didn't even care. Hmm. I think, honestly, I honestly believe because of my mileage being so low. Yeah. That that made up for it, yeah. Yeah, they could very well be. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. Let's talk to John and Peabody, I think. Dennis thinks. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yep. Uh, two questions. A 2006 four-cylinder Camry. What should the temperature be coming out of the air conditioner duct on high? On high? It should be about 30 degrees cooler than whatever the outside temperature is. So, you know, uh, you know, it, ideally it should be you know 45 degrees but if it's if it's 90 degrees out and you get it down to you get it down to 60 that's pretty good pretty good yeah okay i'll check it then i got in the mail one of these uh, gadgets to jump start your car from cigarette lighter to cigarette oh, lighter. yeah yeah 30 dollars a day um yeah um it's if if the battery in the dead car is dead because you left the lights on 
and you were able to plug it into the cigarette lighter, turn the key on in both cars because a lot of cigarette lighters don't work when the when the key is off, um, and you had a lot of time on your hands, eight or ten hours later, the car would probably start. Because because you're only you're only putting about an amp and a half maybe from one cigarette lighter to the other cigarette lighter, so you're not putting a lot of you're not putting a lot of current through to charge the dead battery up. And if the bad if the car with the bad battery has a dead cell in it, it's got no shot. So the better ones are the ones that are the little lithium ion batteries that you know they're the size of a paperback book that has a little cable that attaches to it and you go right to the battery with it i have one of those in each car and they the one the last time i used it it worked better than i have a 500 amp jump start box and it actually worked better than the jump start box did so how about that why do we have cigarette lighters in cars anyway um yeah i mean other than to plug in a cell phone or GPS or something. They're not really cigarette lighters anymore. It's no, just, they're just it's they're, just the they're, port. they're twelve volt power points is what they actually call them. The only the only car that I've been in that has a cigarette lighter in it most recently was a, a Mercedes. No, well, actually that one did too. Uh, Rolls Royce actually did have a cigarette. That I didn't lighter get a call for. Yeah, yeah. Rolls Royce did actually have a cigarette lighter in it, uh, but yeah, Mercedes or BMWs. One of those actually had a real cigarette lighter in it. But yeah, we don't, we don't. You know, there's in the United States, I guess, there's only about ten or fifteen percent of the population that still smokes. So. Okay, John. Thank yeah. you. And I right. think you should. I think you should be twins, though. Really? Why? <laughs> Well, uh, if somebody's on the line, they can get the other Paul to answer his question. There you go. Good idea. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife says my wife says two of me would be way too many. So. All, All right. right. Okay. All right. Thanks, John. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, let's go over to uh, Mike and Hingham. Michael. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, quick question: uh, Would you own a car with a CVT transmission in it? It would not be. Well, I shouldn't say that. You know, uh, for instance, Dennis's Nissan Rogue that he has now and the one he's getting both have CVTs, and he said, "Good luck with them." Subaru, pretty much everything you buy from Subaru now has a CVT in it. There. Uh, when they first came out and they were first started getting popular back, you know, a bunch of years ago, the CVT, for instance, in the Ford Taurus or whatever they called it back then, the 500, was awful. It was, you'd nail the accelerator and the throttle would feel about the same. The RPM would stay about the same and it would it would vary the transmission. And it was, it was just terrible. It was a terrible driving experience. Now they actually feel pretty good longevity-wise. Uh, originally, when when Nissan first came out with them, they weren't very they weren't very good. They had a lot of they had a lot of problems with them. Then, after a couple of years, the CVT and the Nissan products were the most dependable transmission they had. So we're seeing more and more dependability. I still sometimes don't like. I like to feel a transmission shift. It just makes yeah. me. It, there's a certain level of satisfaction when it goes from gear to gear, and you don't get that in. A CVT. I know they try to 
uh, fake it and they do that. But my, my, I have my concern. My brother has one and, you know, he's worried now that he's getting 100,000 miles on it now. They used to have a, a reputation of about 100,000 miles they had about had it. You think the new ones are, are doing better than that? I've seen them with well over 200,000 miles. And, and from talking to the people at Honda that have been using CVTs, and, and if you had to pick a weak spot in a Honda um, over the years, it's been the transmission. And I, and I was talking to somebody from Honda, and they said they test the CVTs to 200,000 miles. So, yeah, so... I think they're okay. Again, I, you know, that whole idea of a, it's it's a pretty simple system inside. It's, you know, basically yeah. a bunch of counter-rotating pieces and belts and not all that difficult. And, you know, so it, uh, you know, I think, I think the system itself is, is simple and dependable. Uh, and now they're able to handle a lot higher horsepower. I remember the first CVT was, you know the the one that was in the three cylinder Subaru Justy because it only made about eighty horsepower and it, it wouldn't break it. Um, now, you know, we see them in a lot of different cars and and they're and they're pretty functional. So, uh, in fact, a lot of people are saying the dependability of the CVT is better than the the dual clutch the DSG style transmissions that yeah. everybody from, you know, Porsche to Volkswagen to Ford use, again, depending on what kind, what it was, uh, the Ford one was less than stellar. Uh, the Volkswagen and, and others were, have been actually pretty good, but the CVTs, um, they're a little bit of a weight savings or definitely a little bit of a cost savings because there's less parts in them, a little less complicated. And I think when they, when they work, they work okay. And, and like I said, I, I've seen a bunch of 200,000-mile cars that had CVTs in them, and they, you know, they seem to be operating just fine. Okay. Well, that answers my question. Okay. Thank you very much All right. for call. Bye -bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Bob. Bob, good morning. Hi, John Paul. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm the guy that calls you about my uh, wife's liberty doing the front end. Over. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, John Paul. I, 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 it sounds like it, it sounds like it was. I I was uh, I was under a Jeep this week, actually a Jeep Wrangler, and uh, yeah. and I was looking at the rear suspension and the uh, perch where the rear spring sits on sits on uh, reminded me a little bit about what you were talking about because it was rotted out and. I was looking at oh, it, and, and and I said to I said to the guy that always he said what do, what do I do and I said I guess I just wait until it breaks and then find somebody who's got a piece that can fit in and uh, yes. and you know and just remount the spring I said that you know looking at this looking at this car it's going to need shocks so by the time you pull the shocks off the springs are going to fall out anyway and yeah. still I I will say he, uh, he this this guy is one of my coworkers he's uh, he works in our finance department, and he is a pretty, uh, pretty talented guy. In fact, he uh, he put a uh, he built a two car garage with a room over it attached to his house with a breezeway, and now he's building a big three season porch. He's doing all the stuff himself. He's also uh, he went and got his contractor's license just so he had it and he said to me, "I don't know how to do rear brakes," and I'm like, "You know how to you know how to yeah. cut you know you know how to cut." stairs you know how yeah. to cut roof joists 
And you don't know how I to do it. You don't know how to. And he's like, I'm telling you, I can't figure out how to do it. So I went over and helped him do it. And I, I tell you, I was, uh, um, it, uh, I, I forgot how much fun it was to jack up a car oh, and, work a a, and work on jack stands. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. so, you know, we, we got the, we got the brakes done, but while I was under there, I was looking at it and it was pretty rusty, but then we took it out for a ride afterwards. And I can tell you, it's, this one is a, this one's a stick shift and what a fun little vehicle to drive. And he says, uh, yeah, he says, I, I pretty much just leave the top off of it for most yeah. of the nice weather yeah. and, and enjoy it. So back to your Jeep. Well, my Go wife ahead. loves it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's got 70,000 miles on it to no free, but the un- underneath it looks prehistoric, you know. Yeah, yeah, they, they get they get pretty rusty. And this guy actually sent out for a kit and got some of the other pieces where the body mounts were. Um, and they, he had somebody uh, he had somebody actually weld in these pieces so the body didn't oh, yeah. shake and rattle, yeah. which made a huge difference. It actually tightened it up quite a bit. And, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, so... John Paul, I got a quick question. I'm, I, once I get done this project, I'm going to work on. I got a '77 vet. It's a uh, 352 barrel. Mm-hmm. I can't afford a cob right now, but I was thinking of buying a a, a kit to, for the cob. Mm-hmm. You know, change the floats and the whatever else is in there. And mm-hmm. you, would you? What do you think? Have you done one? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's been a lot of years, but yeah, I always used yeah. to. I I always used to rebuild them because um, uh, at least at least I knew what I was getting. So if the you know if the throttle shaft didn't have any wear in it, the choke yeah. plate wasn't sticky. Um, you know, and it's just you know pay attention. You know, the only thing you have to do is pay attention to where the pieces go, and uh, okay. and you know you take you take the top off you. You know, lift yeah. everything up, move it to one, move it to one side. Watch, watch the metering rods for the jets to make sure that you don't bend them or you know, and they go back in the right spot. Um, okay. The uh, the um, you know at the at the bottom of the float, you'll see the needle and seat. Make sure that you know that's good and clean. And there's a little uh, you know there's a little a little jet at the bottom of that. You want to make sure that's good yeah. and clean. Don't take the don't try to take the choke plate off. A lot of people see the couple of screws that hold the choke plate on and they'll say well i want to take this off just to clean it um when you try to take the screws off they'll break and then you'll be stuck um so don't so do which plate is that that's, what, that's the actual ch- that's the actual choke that opens and closes yeah oh, I, okay the yeah, choke plate yeah, itself yeah okay. yeah All and right. i do the same thing with the throttle plate i just clean around it uh for okay. you know for not a lot of money you can actually go buy a little container of uh carburetor dip stuff so you can actually dip a, dip the whole carburetor in it let it sit there for oh, a, that's a good idea for a couple of days yeah. they'll, they'll clean all the crap out of it that's in there and and then just and then just you know kind of pay attention if you get a little bit confused take some yeah. pictures take some pictures before you start to take it apart oh yeah yeah yes. yeah i i find myself um Maybe maybe as I'm getting older or maybe as things just because if I go to do some things now, I click a couple of pictures with my phone just so yeah. I go, oh, yeah, the red wire went here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had trouble putting the uh, the half shaft back yeah. on because I was putting it in back. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Not so the half shaft, yeah. but the, uh, the, the uh, tie rod yeah. shaft. Yeah. Yeah. So again, sometimes so, yeah, pictures a couple, are great. Picture, you know? couple pictures are good, and uh, and and of course, you know, some of the other stuff on the web. But I find just taking a couple pictures. I I know I was changing, I was changing something one day, and I couldn't I couldn't even barely see where it went, 
let alone figure out where it was, but I could get my phone back uh-huh. there to take a take a couple of pictures. Took the pictures afterwards, and then when I went to reassemble everything, I could kind of I could kind of see where stuff was supposed to go, and it made all the difference in the world. Took it from work. Yeah, that's to, a good, that's you know, a real yeah. good idea. Okay. Well, John, I'm getting sure. a hesitation on uh, off a of light. That's why I'm going through all this. Oh, okay. So more than likely, it's it's the float stick in there. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it could be a little bit lean. That's why you're getting it, and, uh, uh-huh. and yeah. So it could. Yeah, it, and the other thing is the floats in those are are. Uh, are you know you're probably used to seeing old brass floats it's kind of a it it's kind of a foamy looking thing that over time they uh, they'll they'll tend to deteriorate and okay. and then the float levels get all goofy so yeah i yeah. mean you know it can make a it can make a real difference i remember years ago i um I had a personal car that had a carburetor on it. It always dieseled a little bit uh, when you shut yeah. it off it always ran a little too lean and uh, okay. re- rebuilt the carburetor thing was like a brand new car afterwards and it was a it was a pretty simple again not complicated you know when i yeah way back when when i worked in a garage and you know even even some of the ones that people didn't like the old carter afbs and the quarter jets you do you, yeah. you know the, you do a couple of them all the parts make sense if if you got to if you reassemble a carburetor and you have to force something back together you're doing it wrong everything that should go, right everything hey, should jump off the lean mixture it, that's not the uh, that's not the Throttle mixed mixture. No, right? no, no. But yeah, you know, like to to bring it up and down. Uh, yeah, that's not well, that, that one. Yeah, no. There, there's going to be two screws, and maybe they're still okay. covered over. Um, but at the okay. at the front of the carburetor, there's going to be two mixture screws that are going to help adjust the yeah. idle, and they may they may actually have caps over them, where you okay. either either they're made right into the base with like an aluminum cap that you can knock the cap out. Or they have okay. little plastic covers over them, so it limits how much you should have to move them. But once you get the whole point is once you get everything all clean and tight, um, yeah. it should pretty much go back the way it was. So you shouldn't have to really now, tinker. The, with how do I get the lean mixture though, Sean Paul? Well, it's it's going to be. How do I hear that that it's it's right? Um, well, first off, it could be lean because um, one of the passageways is carboned up with gook. So you may okay. find you may find just cleaning it up, all of a sudden you yeah. put it back together and the thing runs great. Okay. If that's not the case, if it's if it's if you have to like crank the idle up a little higher because it's running rough, then yeah. then you have to look at the fuel air mixture, the screws at the front of the carburetor that you'll um, okay. you, you tighten them up as and easily they they can do yeah and uh, and uh, you you back them up and if you have if you have um, no real tools. If you have either a vacuum gauge or a tachometer, um, yeah. you bring the you bring the fuel mixture screws in until you start to lose some of the RPM. Uh, yeah. Stop. Do it a little bit at a time. Stop. Bring them back out so you just start to get the RPM back where it should be, and then maybe crank okay. them in just a smidge, and then you're good to go. Same thing with the vacuum okay. gauge. You can put a vacuum gauge on it. Um, try to get the highest vacuum reading possible, and should fuel air mixture should be close. But uh, okay. but yeah, that's that's about all you need to do. But I would start by oh, just I would start by cleaning cleaning the carburetor up first, get it spotlessly clean. Uh, like I said, spend yeah. the spend the twenty dollars or whatever for a dip tank. Um, oh sure. And, and uh, that way, you know you've cleaned all the junk out of the inside of the carburetor and put the new kit parts in it. And you may find yeah. it's good to go. You don't have to do anything. You may find everything comes back just the way it's supposed to. 
Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, yeah, excellent. All right. Thanks for your help. Though. All right, take Have care. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. We need to take another break. I saw Johnny Costello wandering around the studio here. He's in the building somewhere right there. So we need to take a break. We'll be right back. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. We have about 10 minutes left if you would like to join us. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL. Well, here's something that, I don't know if this appeals, This well, first off, it doesn't appeal to me at all, but uh, Fiat Chrysler, so, you know, Fiat, Jeep, Chrysler, Ram, their navigation screens are going to offer pizza and gas payments. So Domino's Pizza will soon be at your fingertips of the Fiat Chrysler automobile customers through the Vehicles Uconnect system. Fiat's jumping into the world of in-vehicle transactions in the second half of the year with Uconnect market, which will include users to order pizza, make restaurant reservations, pay for gasoline and select shell stations, and pay for parking in garages through the touchscreen. Drivers will be able to uh, schedule service at the local dealership, um, let's see, the system is scalable, so if other merchants want to join Uconnect Market, there'll be room, said uh, Mike Novak, Uconnect's product marketing manager. We're open to exploration. We always want to reflect the needs of our customers. Food and fuel and parking are natural fits. Novak said beyond that, we're not excluding anything, but we want to make sure that it helps people. Do I really need to order pizza over my navigation yes. system? Why? Because yes. if I am driving a long distance and I'm getting hungry and I'm like, oh, I could use some pizza. I could put it in there while I'm driving and get there when it's ready and sit down and eat pizza and go but, about my merry way. But are Dom- you kidding me? This Dom- is fantastic. But Domino's? I don't care about Domino's, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it opens. There's that thing. Um, there's that one gas station that is allowing for the fast pass users yeah. to use yeah. it, and it's supposed to expand further. Mm. That's. I mean, the gas one is. I don't understand why they just don't do that. Mm. Like, especially uh, in cars nowadays. I, I'm surprised that you can still use a non-chip credit card at a gas station. You know, because all the credit cards have, you know, yes. for security have chips in them, but they changed the rules a little bit to say um, it's under $50, so they don't need to put a chip system in. The problem is, I don't know, there's, there's, that's where you always hear the credit cards are compromised. So yes. I would, you know, if there was a way to be able to do it without taking a credit card out of your pocket or something, it seems like, or pay cash. I know, people don't pay cash anymore. But the uh, I don't. Well, I, I was I, I was talking to this was a year or two ago our um, security guy in our internet department, and he says when he buys stuff online, he uses prepaid uh, debit cards only because yeah. he doesn't trust online merchants at all. 
I haven't had anything happen yet. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I I have only had. Um, well, I did have I did have um, my credit card compromised. Apparently, I bought a couple of big screen TVs in Walmart and Worcester. Wah, wah, wah. And yeah, that's 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 actual a store. You didn't buy it online, right? I apparently I didn't buy it online mm-hmm. um, because I went to use my credit card and they said, "Oh, we shut it off because someone bought a couple of TVs at the Walmart in Worcester." And interestingly, the only oh, no, okay. yeah, Sorry. yeah, and the only way I um, the only time I used that credit card online, this particular credit card, was I paid a parking ticket. So I think somewhere in that parking ticket payment system someone grabbed my credit card the other time my credit card got shut off was I I was actually buying a big well not a big screen TV but a TV and I was buying it in New Hampshire and yes maybe I was buying it up there to avoid paying the sales tax nothing wrong with that Um, but I went to go. I went to go pay for it, and they're like, "I'm sorry, your credit card's no good." I'm like, "What do you mean it's no good?" So I called the credit card company. They said, uh, "Yeah, we turned your credit card off due to suspicious activity." And they said, "Your credit card was used in Rhode Island to buy gas, Massachusetts <laughs> to buy, I don't know something, and liquor in New Hampshire, and now it's being used to buy a TV." And I'm like, "Yeah, that was all me." <laughs> they, they said, "So you bought." Slim Jims and a Red Bull, and <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. So, and they said, "No, eh, that's the way it is." So, I don't, I don't know. I kind of look at this stuff and go, ah, "I don't know how how convenient it is." Hey, there, there's our buddy Johnny Costello. Hi, hi. I listened to your whole program today. Did you really? I did indeed. I was at, I was no, at it was the fascinating. I, it's great stuff. There's nothing. Well, I drive a '97 Toyota know, camera, looks, so I'm going to listen to you all the time. It looks great. It looks great out there, by the way. You I see it. it. I saw she, it. Yeah. The saw window it. doesn't roll up, so yeah, well, I I have wet knickers on right now, <laughs> and uh, I don't know what to do about that because the gentleman that looks at my car, he said that uh, there's a motor yeah. in the thing, and yeah. he went to the junkyard, found another one, put it in. He can't figure out what the heck is wrong with it, so. Other than that, the car runs like a gem. It does. She's yeah, a beaut. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, see, there's a switch or the wiring going to the motor. So yeah, yeah. But I was at the, I was at the Arlington. I think it's Arlington Retired Men's Club of Arlington today, and this guy comes over. Not wearing today. A, well, not today. This week. Although they probably yeah. do get up early yeah. if they're retired, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and they actually have about 400 members, and uh, about 100 show up at meetings, and I was there doing something, and a guy comes over in a WROL shirt. No way. And guys, and he's one of our regular listeners, Connie. Sure. Yeah. Connie Murphy. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. This guy's a legend. Yeah. And he used to work here once. Yeah. Like, years of course. ago. Yeah. And uh, he said, the last time you talked about me, he said, I was at Fenway Park and you and Paul Sullivan were talking about me. Wow. And I was listening Fun. on the radio. So uh, Connie might be listening right now. He is. He's he, definitely. Hello, he, Mr. Murphy. Yeah. So, and what a nice guy. And uh, he speaks very highly of you. Wow, yeah. me? Yeah, he knows you uh, too. He knows you too. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, because I'm one so, of the newer guys. Yeah. Hey, Den, you know what's funny is uh, when when I was driving in, or coming in, I think I was getting dressed at the time when uh, John was so you talking dri- about. So you were driving and getting dressed? Yeah, that happens. Yeah. With, with multiple jobs, I have mastered the craft <laughs> of changing out of the costumes. Uh, that he pays money for pod beans. Yeah, pod beans. Yeah, pod beans. <laughs> I think I've spent many of Shuckles on pod beans in the past. Well, yes. Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe something like that, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm filling in for B3, who is filling in for Paul Sullivan. So you're stuck with me for the next three hours before Marvelous Matt O'Donnell. And, and Marvelous in. Matt was here last week. He was here early because yeah. there was all kinds of stuff going on. Madness the going on. Madness yeah. going on. But we yeah. wish John, uh, John Paul, uh, Professor Paul, uh, good luck. I know he's got some time off, and you know yeah. we all wish him and root him luck. You know. Yeah, yeah. We did. You know, we 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 love Paul. We love uh, we love the station here, and and and. And you're going to be here playing Irish music for three hours. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why? <laughs> I love this. Yeah, gig. yeah. This is this is uh, this is you know it's great when when I see you know whether it's whether it's you because you bring all this energy and and Bobby when he brings all this energy or Paul brings this kind of calm. He's like this calm energy. He, it, he's like I yeah, know. Yeah, and he's brilliant. And he's but he's just a, such a legend. He just it, comes in and just does his thing, and he's got tens of thousands of listeners everywhere I go. They're like, oh, I love Paul. Everybody loves Paul. He's just so laid but, back. And but relaxed. but he has this when and he used to do this commercial where it was. Uh, you know, you're in the parlor with the wood stove going, and you know, and you really felt like you were there. Of course, it was, it was good. With the it, turf smell, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah and then, and which doesn't smell that good. I'm sorry. I, well, no, uh, I mean, but the uh, Irish love it. Uh, so, can uh, we just acquiesce, please? Okay. <laughs> They're all listening now. It's ten oh one. All right, we, we love get, the turf uh, smell. Yeah, 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 we do. I love. <laughs> I, there's nothing like some good turf burning in the wood stove. Uh, until yeah, until next week. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Uh, stay tuned. For for the very best in Irish music with uh, our buddy Johnny the Rooster Costello filling in. Bye-bye. Ah, poor old Icy Riley, she is taken to the sup and poor 